0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome once again to Bethesda Church. And today we're going to conclude our series on fearless and I've enjoyed teaching and preaching this series so much. It seems like the feedback has been overwhelming about this specific series. Um, the premise of the series is that there are a lot of things in our life that go undetected, undiagnosed, that create fear in our life that we, we have a hard time getting past so that we can live the fearless life that God has called us to, the, the, the life of abundance that Jesus has called us and purposed us to live. Uh, so far in this series, we've talked about the fear of rejection. That We're not going to live according to the opinions of people, uh, but we're going to live for, the, for an audience of one. We talked in the second installment of this series about the fear of failure. A lot of us, we never try anything because we're afraid that if we do and fail, what will people say? Will we be judged? And so we never really step out to do what God has called us to do. And then last week, we slowed down a little bit, and we talked about the fear of intimacy. A lot of people have been burned in relationships And because of that, they have a fear of intimacy that they have to overcome to live the life Jesus has for them. And I want to close this series out today by talking to you about the fear of losing control. The fear of losing control. Now, to all my control freaks out there, I'm coming for you. (laughs) All right, God's got your number today. Um, we often do everything in our power to control our lives. We we try hard to control our lives and every outcome. We try to anticipate every problem, every challenge that will come up, so that we can be prepared. But if you've lived long enough, uh, and I'm sure that many of you can can you know you can agree with the statement I'm about to make, um, life don't always go the way you planned it. And, and let's just take it a step further. Life rarely ever goes exactly the way you planned it. Life is what happens while we make plans. It's what happens while we make plans. Life happens. And, and how we respond to that is, is so important. We cannot anticipate everything that's going to happen to us, and we cannot uh, control every detail of our lives but many of us, we have this fear of losing control. And in our conversations, in our own thought life, we we think thoughts like this. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I, what if my company lays me off? What if we get a divorce? What if he or she is unfaithful? What if the, the kids turn out like me? Come on, somebody. What if? What if? We have all these what ifs that... Uh, are about control what if it don't work out what if the economy turns down and so we have this fear of losing control but I, I just want to say at the beginning that faith is not fantasy and what I mean by that a lot of times we think well I'm a person of faith I'll never have problems come on somebody sometimes you have problems because of your faith so, so faith is not fantasy, faith just means that I can overcome. The scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now if it stopped there, that would be awful. But it doesn't stop there, there's a comment, that says, but God delivers us out of them all. Anybody thankful that God delivers us out of them all? So we can't control everything, but we can conquer life. And, and, the, and the Bible has a lot of words to describe you and I as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, you know, that that's one of the titles. We're Christ followers, we're Christian. The Bible mentions the word Christian. Um, disciple is a word to describe our relationship with God. But I think there's one word that oftentimes it gets overlooked, but it's it, we are identified uh, with this word, and that is the word overcomer. You're not only a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a Christian. As a believer, you are an overcomer. Come on, hit your neighbor upside the head and say, you're an overcomer. Now now hit him again and say, start acting like it. Okay, you can't go through life with a victim mentality. You got to know you are an overcomer. So let's start with the verse that has set the tone for the series, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to start with a quick story, and I want you to keep in mind, God has not given us a spirit of fear. A few weeks ago, we were having some work done at our house, and it was on a a particular day, Karen was gone, and so the four kids were with me, there was work being done on the house, I was not doing the work, I can't improve anything, I can tear stuff up, just can't fix much, okay? Uh, So there's work being done, I got all four kids, there's a lot going on, a lot of chaos, you know? Uh, And the boys come and say, Dad. Can we ride our bikes around the neighborhood? Now, I know the rule. The rule is, and the rule comes not from me, it comes from Mama. Mama Dingus, her rule is, you can ride your bikes on the street. You can't go all the way around the neighborhood. You can only stay on the street that is in front of our house. As long as you stay there and I can look out and make sure that you're okay, that's cool. Uh, Because Mama Dingus is that mom who thinks there's probably some psycho somewhere in our neighborhood waiting to snatch a child, because that is the world, the new world in which we live, right? Uh, I don't know if it's the new world in which we live, or if my parents just hoped that I got snatched, because I, <laughs> I rode my bike like four miles from the house, and they didn't seem to mind. So maybe they were hoping the psycho got me. I don't know. But anyway, Mama Dingus wasn't home. Daddy Dingus is home. And they boys, right? Let boys be boys. Sure. Take off, go around the neighborhood. Just every once in a while, stop in, let me know you're still alive. All right, so they do it, and, you know, they're gone for a little while. Time passes, and I'm not really thinking about it. I'm thinking they're they're probably cool. And then Zeke strolls back, and he starts shooting basketball. And I notice Eli never comes back, and five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by, and now Daddy Dingus is in a panic. He's thinking, yep, the psycho's got him. He's been abducted. Or he's been hit by a car and he's lying beside the road and nobody to get him. And so I got all these thoughts going through my head and I asked Zeke, where's your brother? And Zeke just keeps shooting. I don't know. He don't care at all. (laughs) So I'm grabbing Everly, the two-year-old, Eden, the six-year-old, and I'm telling Zeke and I'm strapping all the kids in the truck. The search party begins. Because a couple of things are going to happen. Now, like, if he doesn't turn up, that's horrible, right? But it, it, it's not even, because y'all are going to need a new pastor, because Karen's going to kill me over this anyway. <laughs> I'm more afraid of her than what happened to him at this point. And so I'm in panic mode, and I'm, I am strapping them into the truck, and simultaneously I am screaming, Inga! Louder than that. Like, I've, I'm in a full-blown panic. I am screaming, to, and neighbors are looking. I'm thinking, yeah, you, if you had four kids, you'd be louder too over there. That's what I'm thinking. Don't you be judging. And so I am strapping him in, and I'm literally screaming. And, and then Zeke's kind of looking at me with that look like, he is serious. I'm screaming to the top of my lungs. I have no idea where this kid's at. And, and a, a couple minutes later, I get him all snapped. I'm getting ready, and right before I jump into the driver's seat to take off to look for him, I scream as loud as I can one more time, and I hear this voice from the distance go, What, Dad? <laughs> he was only like two football fields away the whole time listening to me scream like an idiot. And you say, what is the point of your story? The point is, our mind often goes and plays out the worst case scenario. Our mind has a tendency to go to the most negative, dark place. The truth is, is that we all have things that we're afraid of, things that we're trying to control, and, and some of us, we, we're just we can hear one little thing, and it just set us off in, in, in a spiraling, uh, irrational mode of what if? What, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I believe that there are people here who have what the Bible calls an anxious heart. Everybody say that? An anxious heart. See, an anxious heart means that you are unsettled. It means that you're nervous it really if you if you study it it means there's a heaviness about you and i'm not talking about you carrying a few extra pounds I, i'm talking about a heaviness that's on your life because of your thought life because of the things that you're worried about it weighs you down look at what the bible says about this it says in proverbs chapter 12 verse 25 it says an anxious heart weighs a man down an anxious heart and many of you are sitting under the sound of my voice and the truth is you're heavy today. You're heavy all the time. And it's not about weight. It's it's about worry. It's about anxiety. It's about the things that you consistently think about, the things that you are afraid that you're not going to be able to control. See, there are those of us that we, we want this control in our life, and we think that we can, you know, dictate how life is going to go. And it causes us to live with what the scripture says is an anxious heart that becomes a burden, something that we carry. Now I'm going to give six statements and you don't have to raise your hands, but on these statements, if you answer yes to, to three or more of these, you are probably living with an anxious heart. The first one is this, are you rattled when things don't go as you expected? Are you rattled when life goes off script? We all know people that do great as long as everything can stay in their OCD manner, right? Everything, oh, I got the plan. We, you know, I'm planning my work. I'm working my plan. And as long as everything's in the plan, they got peace. But the moment it goes off script, they flip out. I tell our staff all the time, control what you can control and leave the rest up to God. We cannot control. And a lot of us, we, we struggle when life doesn't go as expected. The second one is, do you often worry about things that are beyond your control? Do you worry about stuff that you have no power to change? No, no power to make a difference. The third one is, is do you lose sleep over pressing issues? I, I said, not going to raise your hands. Let's just see. Anybody lose sleep over pressing issues? We got some honest people and we got some lying people. Good to have you both. We lose sleep. Look at the next one. Is it hard to turn off your mind? Now, when I look at this list, that's the one that jumps out to me. I'm that guy that can't turn his mind off. It's constantly, it's not, sometimes I'm worn out, tired, need sleep, and still can't shut it off. Like, do y'all make a pill that shuts your mind off? You know, you want to ask somebody. And so, uh, we, we have a hard time shutting down or turning it off. Does the unknown intimidate you? Will I be able to put the kids to college? Will I have enough money to retire? Will this relationship work out? And we, we're looking to the future, and so the fear of the unknown intimidates us. Do you often imagine the worst-case scenario? You know those people. They get a headache. It must be a tumor. I'm going to die. You need to call everybody. Tell the family to come. I have a headache, and this is unto death, Right? We got people that that just, you know, they imagine the worst case. If you said yes to three or more of those, you're probably living with what the Bible calls an anxious heart that weighs you down. At the end of the day, some of us are anxious because we have a fear of losing control. As long as life is going as we planned it to go, we're cool, but if we have to fly off script, we struggle. Some of us, because we can't control the details of our own lives, we, we take the next step, and we try to control other people. I can't fix me, so I'm going to fix you, right? I, I can't figure out what I need to do, but I'm going to figure out what you need to do. And we need to know today that we cannot control our lives in every detail, and we cannot control the people around us. It is impossible to control all those details. And the bottom line is, and you need to embrace this, You are never ever in full control. You're not in control right now of every part of your life. The Bible says that we make plans, but God directs our path. So we do our best. It doesn't mean that we 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 don't plan or strategize all those things, but we're never in full control. Now, for the control freaks listening to me right now, you're you're tuning me out because you're trying to be in control. So I'm going to go ahead and say it again. You're not in control. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, listen to your pastor. The control freaks are tuning me out. Yes, I'm in control. I will not hear that. We're never in full control. The ironic thing is is that a lot of times the things that we desire to control are the very things we lose control of. So what do we do? God's, God's word teaches us, and I'm, I'm going to preach very short today. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, you can do this today. It, it's two, two major things here. And the first is, is you have to take your mind off the what ifs of fear. you got to take your mind off of the what ifs of fear. The what if the economy turns down. What if they sell my company? What if I lose my job? What if he or she is unfaithful? What if we can't have kids? What if we have four kids? Come on, somebody. What, what if? you, you got to take your mind off of the what ifs. Um, and not only do we got to take our mind off the, the what ifs of fear, we need to look at what Jesus said in Luke 21. He said, make up your mind not to worry. Make up your mind not to worry. So worry is a choice. Worry is a decision. Oh, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. No, worry is your choice. It's something that you are choosing. Jesus said, make up your mind not to worry. So what is Jesus saying? Before the situation arises, I've already made up my mind I'm not going to worry. Before anything off script comes my way, I've already made up my mind. It may be bad, but I'm not going to worry. How many of you have ever watched the Extreme Skiers? Anybody ever seen those guys? These guys are crazy. They go to a top of a mountain, all right, and the goal is, is to get to the top of the mountain and ski down the mountain as fast as you can without hitting any trees. I got enough issues in my life. I don't need that one, right? Like, wh- why, why? why? Why are you doing that? But one guy apparently has never hit a tree because he was able to answer a question. Um, he was asked, you know, how is it that you have, you've done this extreme skiing for so long and you've never hit a tree? And I love his answer. It's so simple yet so profound. He, he said this. He said, I don't look at the trees. I look at the spaces between them. Some of you are going to get this in a second. I like that because what, what he's saying is, I don't look at the things that could distract me, the things that could block me, the thing that could bring fear to me, the thing that could stop my progress. I ski between the trees, I focus on where I'm going. And some of us, we need to take the focus off all the fear and, and the fear of losing control and the things that are not going right. Quit looking at all the trees in your life and start looking at the space God has created for you, amen, that, that he, he has created some open space for you, but we get so focused on the trees that we get, we get hindered, we get blocked. We're not able to overcome so I don't look at the what ifs of fear. I make up my mind not to focus on, on the what ifs. I focus uh, on what Jesus said. He said, "Don't, don't." He said, "Make up your mind not to worry." The Bible teaches us this principle of, um, not focusing on the what ifs, but also what we need to know is that worry never changes anything, for good. You say, does worry change anything? Yeah, worry changes stuff. It just doesn't change stuff for good. Worry changes your health. It'll give you high blood pressure and a a heart attack, but it won't change anything for good. It'll damage your relationships, but it won't change anything for good. Worry never changes anything for good. In Scripture, the word worry, every time it appears, this is the NIV version, every time the word worry appears in Scripture, there are two words in front of it. Do not. So every time God talks about worry, he says, do not. Do not worry about what's going on in your life. Matthew six twenty seven says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? How many know that 90% of the things we worry about never happens? Yet we give all this energy to it, all this time to it, our thought life to it we give up relationships over it. All because worry makes an anxious heart, weighs a man down. There was a guy who's like a lot of us. He worried all the time. And he was what you would call a chronic worrier. He worried when things were bad, but he also worried when things were good because he was afraid it wouldn't be good for long. And so he worried all the time. And this bothered him so much that he went to his counselor and he said, Doc, I can't stop worrying. I need some help. And the doctor said, well, what do you And he begins to tell him all the things he's worried about. And he said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to make a list of all the things you worry about. And while you're writing your list, I don't want you to worry about it. I just want you to make the list. And every Wednesday from 3 to 4, I want you to pull that list out, and I want you to worry about it for one hour. <laughs> the guy did what you and I are thinking. He said, what in the world am I paying you for? Right? Why would I schedule time in my, in my day to worry over this? And many of us, we, we can't get into the things God has for us because we are weighed down with an anxious heart. It makes us heavy. It keeps us from going to that next level in what God has for us. See, worry never changes anything for good. And Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add one single hour To his life. Not not only does it not add to our life, we all know worry takes away from our life. It takes away from everything good in our life. And here's a key thought for you Satan's tool of fear is meant to deter you from God's best. Satan's tool of fear is meant to deter you from God's best. How many of you have ever seen the movie The Wizard of Oz? I need some hands. I need to know that I got, okay, we got some normal American people here today. You've seen it. All right. So here's the deal. There was one guy in the movie who didn't have a brain. Who was that? The scarecrow. If I only had a brain. I won't sing it, but if I only had a brain. Um, now, the question that I that I want to bring to your attention, like where you're going, it'll make sense in a minute. What does a farmer do whenever he's got some good corn and he plants it? If he's got real good corn, what does he do? He puts a scarecrow out there, right? To keep the birds from picking up the good corn. The question that I have about that is this. Does the scarecrow have any power to harm the birds? Absolutely not. So a scarecrow's only weapon is the weapon of fear, right? Everybody following? The only weapon that a scarecrow has is the weapon of fear. See, our spiritual enemy has a few weapons. Satan has a few weapons. One of those is is to get you and I to believe a lie. If he can get us to believe a lie, he has power over us. The second way that he attacks us is through fear. He brings fear into our lives. And here's what we gotta understand. God has not given us the spirit of fear, so we know where it comes from. And Now, back to the scarecrow. If I'm a smart bird... All right? I don't know if they're smart bird or dumb bird. I have no, no clue. But if I'm a smart bird and I see a scarecrow, if the scarecrow has no power to harm me, and I know that, every time I see a scarecrow, I should know immediately, there's some good corn over there. Right? Because he's only going to put the scarecrow up where the good corn is. So... I told you a few weeks ago, the opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. Somebody going to get it in just a second. The enemy uses fear because he wants us to see something that creates fear. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. And many times your adversary, the devil, is nothing more than a scarecrow creating an illusion that this is a harmful place for you to go to. Could it be that on the other side of what you're afraid of, it's really where the blessing is, where the promise is, where the healing is, where the destiny is, but you keep letting a scarecrow keep you from the good stuff? Some of us need to square our shoulders and look the devil, the scarecrow, whatever you want to call him, in the eyes and say, I'm coming after my blessing. I'm going to get past the fear of losing control, the fear of failure, come on, the fear of rejection. I know what you've been doing, big boy, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Now, this pumps me up a little bit, and some of you are like, man, we're talking about scarecrows in church. You know, Pastor, this is kind of out there, you know? Why are we talking about scarecrow? I'm glad you asked. Jeremiah 10, 5 and 6. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, do not fear them. They can do no harm. The devil can do no harm. He wants to create an illusion of fear. No one is like you, O oh God. You're great and your name is mighty in power. I'm telling you that the place of fear could be your place of blessing, but you got to be willing to take that step. You got to get past the fear. Man, I, I just want to start calling the devil scarecrow now. <laughs> you standing there trying to keep me from my promise, keep me from my blessing, keep me from, from going to the next level in God, keeping me stuck in a cycle of fear, f- afraid of rejection, afraid of what people think, afraid Of intimate relationships that could be a blessing in my life. I believe that he has put some scarecrows up. The enemy has strategically in our lives to keep us from the good stuff. Keep us from our purpose. See, not only do we got to take our mind off the what ifs. We also have to put our mind on the promises of God. The promises of faith. We need to be meditating on God's word. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thought life determines your world. What you allow to go through your mind, our spirit, you need to get, our spirit has been saved. I mean, your spirit is good. But the Bible says that your mind is being saved. I mean, that's happening every day. Somebody like, yep, me and my mind, we get saved every day we got to ask Jesus every day to help us, forgive us, right? Let the blood of Jesus wash my mind again. So our our spirit is saved. It's done. Our spirit is set. Our mind is being saved. It's in a process. Paul said, I die daily. We renew our mind, right? So so that happens every single day. That is something we presently do, renew our mind, because it is being saved. And our body will be saved. When does that happen? When it's not going to happen on earth. When I got saved, my body didn't change. Still mad at God for that. I'm just kidding. Your body didn't change, right? Nothing happened to your body. It's the same. But how many know we are going to receive a brand new body one day? So our spirit has been saved, our mind is being saved, and our body will be saved. And we have to keep Our mind in this present world, because how many? It is so much easier to focus on the negative than it is the positive. They say it takes seven positive confessions to cancel one negative thought. Why? Because we lean toward the negative. Like you'd have somebody come and feed, I don't know, three hundred homeless people, and it wouldn't make the news. But if somebody comes and sets somebody's house on fire, how many know that's going to that be all over the news? Bad news travels fast. We, we, we lean toward the negative and not the positive. But Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. The Bible says because he trusts in you, you'll keep him in perfect peace. It is possible in this life to have God's peace even in the midst of storms. Some of us, man, we we're good as long as there's money in the bank, and our spouse loves us still, right? And the kids are all making straight A's. Oh, we good. We got the peace. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We got our worship on, our praise on. We're ready to go. But we get in an argument with our spouse, we lose our joy. The kids bring home two Fs, we lose our joy. What's the deal? Because the Bible, see, peace is not the, the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of Jesus who is with you in the trouble. See, the disciples said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die when the storm hit? Where was Jesus? Asleep. When you have the peace of God, you can sleep through any storm. Not only did Jesus exemplify that, Peter did. He was chained between two guards, didn't know if he would live or die. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 12 that he was asleep. He was resting. How do you sleep in the midst of a storm? How do you rest in God's joy when all hell is breaking loose? Because as long as Jesus is in your boat, baby, you're all right. I'll control what I can control. I'll leave the rest up to God. I'll I'll leave it up to Him. Let Him handle that for me. A great example. How many know that we can preach and and, and say all the right things, but sometimes we need somebody's life to speak to us? And what I mean by that, yesterday we had the privilege of doing a celebration service for Gail Jenkins. Some of you don't know her, but she, over the last year, has been battling cancer. And she went home to be with, with Jesus on Wednesday. And yesterday we came to honor her and her life. And she had, she had came through the cancer once, and everybody thought she's going to be good. You know, it's all right. We're going to celebrate now. And, and only to find out uh, a few days later that the cancer had spread. After they had already thought it was over, now they learn it's spread and into her brain, into her spine. And this happened in May. And I can remember one Sunday I preached three times, went home, ate lunch, and then I thought I probably need to go see her because it was just a couple of days before that she had gotten this terrible news. And she's having to decide, do I go through all that treatment again and lose all my quality of life, or do I just enjoy what quality of life I've got and let's go see Jesus? And she's in the midst of making this decision. And I'm thinking, because I got that hour and a half drive from Lewisburg to Roanoke, and, I'm, and, and you all think pastors always know exactly what to say? Sometimes we don't have a clue. I pray all the way over there, God, please help me. God, this has to be difficult, not only for her, but the entire family. Please help me. Give me the words to say. And I, I'm just trying to you know, figure out what am I going to say. How am I going to encourage her when I get there? And I walked into that room, and I found somebody who was so filled With the joy of the Lord and the peace of God, that an hour and a half later, I walked out of a room with somebody who had been given a death sentence. And, and, and at one point in the conversation, she has me in tears because she's ministering to me. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Like, I'm here to help you, right? I'm here to minister to you. But she was so full of God's joy and God's peace. She had so learned how to host God's presence, even while facing death, that she was ministering not only to doctors and nurse everybody that came into contact she was sharing Jesus and and, and sharing Jesus with a pastor come on go figure you dying and you ministering to me everybody and she even told me now Pastor when we do when you do the service don't make it about me I want you to make Jesus famous tell and and, and I got done yesterday and several people were like you done such a great job yeah, you great great sermon I said I didn't preach a sermon Gail preached the sermon she lived in the joy and the peace of God even while facing terrible circumstances. Some of us were weighed down, and we, we mad if they don't put our mayonnaise on right. Yeah, you're really going to change the world. Come on, somebody, let's get real. They messed up my order. Now you screaming at the kids. God forbid we get a real, a real bad report. Uh, we're sorry we messed up your sandwich. Now, that won't cut. I don't need a sorry. I need my money back. How many know that we are living epistles, read of all men? See, Gail preached a sermon with her life that I could never preach with words because it was something that she demonstrated in the midst of trouble that she still had God's peace, God's joy, and she never allowed her heart to become weighed down with anxiety. And everybody that came in and tried to encourage her, she gave the same speech, it'll be okay. Every single time. Hit your neighbor and tell them, it'll be okay. Wrong neighbor, find a new one. Come on, <laughs> hit him and say, it'll be Okay. Worship team, y'all come help me end this. Told you I was going to preach shorter. George Mueller said this. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. When we are filled with anxiety, what it's really saying is we don't trust God. And I'm not being mean. All of us face worry and anxiety at times. But we need to be reminded, when we're in that mode of thinking, we are are not putting our trust in Jesus. Jesus takes great delight and pleasure in you putting your confidence in him. Get this, faith brings peace, worry brings turmoil. You will never operate in God's peace as long as you worry. Faith draws you closer to God, worry takes you away from God. Faith changes things. Worry changes nothing. My life will never get better as long as it's dominated by worry. I want to encourage some of you to do this. I want you to give your cares to God and don't take them back. This is so important because in school, I don't know if they still do this or not, but every once in a while you'd have a friend or somebody give you something And they would give you, I don't know, football or basketball or something growing up in school. And and they would give it to you. You thought it was yours. And then they would come back like 30 minutes later and say, I want that back. And we would say, you Indian giver. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Why? You can't give this to me and then take it back. You gave it to me. It's mine. And a lot of us, we treat God like that. We come to church, and we, we sung that song earlier about being that His love is a, for, a fortress, and that perfect love casts out all fear. And, and some of us, man, we're just singing that, and we're thinking about all the things we've been worried about, and we've been afraid of, and we're thinking to ourselves, man, I'm giving it all to Jesus today. I'm going to give it all to him today. And, you know, we're just praising God. And by lunchtime, we're already taking it back. We gave it to him in the moment. But then we leave and allow our mind to go back to the worst case scenario. We begin to play out all the what ifs and instead of giving it to God, what we do is we give it to him for an hour, hour and a half on Sunday and then when we leave, we we take it back. What would happen if we really gave God all our cares and we refused to worry? See, one of the things that, that spoke to me about Gail Jenkins' life Is that she was able to minister to so many people because she was not so consumed with herself. The reason a lot of us can't minister to others is because we're only worried about ourselves. That's called good preaching. We're so consumed with us, we can't help anybody else. And we come into a place like this. Oh, it's a great sermon. Man, all the praise and worship. Man, I just, man, I felt God and just gave him everything. But by Monday, we've already taken it all back. The Apostle Paul from a prison cell, he says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when I give him all my cares, all my burdens, and I trust him with it, he says, I'll guard your heart, I'll guard your mind. When you trust me, I'll keep some stuff from even getting to you. Now, one of the key words here is the word thanksgiving. He said, when you present... These cares to God. I want you to do it with thanksgiving. This is so important because a lot of us we're trying to enter into God's presence with worry, with depression, with anxiety, with fear. And how many? We don't enter to God God's presence like that at all. If we're going to enter God's presence, we do it with thanksgiving. We do it with praise. The Scripture says this: that we enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. And praise looks good on you. I wonder if we could take about 30 seconds and instead of thinking about all the things we should be afraid of or fearful of, that we just devoted our attention for an audience of one and gave him the praise that he so deserves with thanksgiving. Come on, don't think about the things that are not working out. Come on, think about all the blessings he has already given you. Come on, all the times he came through for you. Every battle that he has won for you. Take your mind off the what ifs and put Your mind on the promises of faith. Come on, somebody, give God a praise today. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's never lost a battle. Let's give it to Him today and let's leave it with Him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room if you're in this place today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus? You don't know Him as your personal Savior. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And today is your day. Today is the opportunity to make that decision. To say, I'm inviting Jesus into my heart. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to turn from it. I'm going to turn to Jesus. If that's you, would you just say, that's me, by throwing your hand up right there where you are. Thank you for this hand here, the one in the back. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else say, that's me. I need to know Jesus today. I need my sins forgiven. Thank you in the back. God bless you. I seen that hand. Anyone else? This moment is why we do what we do. Had somebody leaving this morning. We're getting ready to pray, but I had somebody leaving this. Another hand here. God bless you. Somebody leaving this morning. They were talking about this new building. They said, you know, Pastor, so many new new people are going to come just to see what's going on. They're just going to come to check this thing out. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to come to check it out. And then God's going to change their life. That's exactly what's going to happen. I want us to pray with these hands that have gone up. Come on, everybody lift their voice. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need you to change me and save me. Today, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you, Jesus. I put my trust in the finished work of the cross. Thank you so much for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for all those people today. Amen. God bless you. Prayer team and staff, please come forward. If you need prayer today, don't leave without prayer. We would love to connect with you. Thank you for being here.